0: Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm the man in a box. And I am. Oh, shameful. Welcome to episode 202, In Your House 8, Beware of Dog.
1: It's, it's Vader, Vader time. time! Why do they got both? Of them? I know,
2: it's like Beware of Dog. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I guess it's the name of the show. But it's Vader time. It's like, that's just. It's not really a tagline, that's just music. That's just what they, it's just Vader's thing. But hey, I'm a fan of Vader, so it's fine.
0: So this was the eighth rendition of In Your House, produced by WWF. It would take place on May 26th, 1996 from the Florence Civic Center in Florence, South Carolina, with an attendance of 6,000 people. But due to a thunderstorm knocking power out... A second night would happen on May 28th, 1996, from the North Charleston Coliseum in North Charleston, South Carolina, which had an attendance of 4,500 people.
2: I was curious why they were doing a double night thing. Because this was not like WrestleMania vibes. No. They like, oh, we're spreading. It. it wasn't like, didn't feel experimental. It just felt kind of sandwiched together. Because and it, it was. was. <laughs>
0: It very much was. Yeah.
1: They, they try and give you a little little bit of foolery with the Beware of Dog 2 mm-hmm. labels at the top. but So,
2: when this aired live, what happened?
0: So, the match we'll see first was the first match. And then as the second match, as the people were walking out for the second match, power went out, and, like, literally, it was... All in dark, as we'll we'll see a highlight of that. Yeah, and it went. The power was knocked out. The cameras still worked because they were battery operated, so they were able to film it all, but the quality of it was not good. The yeah. show went on, and then but power they came weren't. Back on but the down. feed was not going out either. And I mean, they even threw an extra batch in there, hoping that power would come back on, yeah. which it did right in time for what was going to be the main event of the show to happen but as we'll talk about later they they were already running behind on the schedule so that affected the main event so then on the tuesday which so there was the pay-per-view on sunday there was raw on monday so like they actually did some changing of who was winning matches or, or how they were going to tell the story, kind of. Yeah. Because they had the Raw Monday. And then there was a Superstars taping on that Tuesday, which is what where why they were at in North Charleston. And so they filmed Superstars, that kind of thing. But then they also sent the pay-per-view out again, and they showed... Our first two matches that we'll cover, they showed them, which were the same two matches that you saw on Sunday.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So they showed them first, and then they just went into the three matches that they were were supposed to be in the middle of the show. So everyone saw, if they watched on Tuesday, they saw the entire pay-per-view just out on, of, on the cable. same order that, okay. we, that we watched. Yeah. Huh. Not so, on cable, it was on pay-per-view still. Really? Yeah. But everyone that... Got the pay-per-view on Monday, or Sunday. Just replayed on that channel. Just got a rain check, basically, for him to be able to watch it on Tuesday. (laughs) Weird. Yeah. So that's why the show, like, the main event's technically our second match, but it won't be our main event. Yes.
2: Yeah, I was curious about why the heavy belt was that early in the show. I was like... "Mm -hmm." David
1: Boy's blown up already. Okay.
0: <laughs> but we are in South Carolina—not yeah, once, but twice. Yeah. Huh? So Shane, wonder how that works. What did you bring us this week? Well, so I did what I do,
1: and I looked up what the hell do people eat in South Carolina. And very fitting to go along with the uh, the chaos that ensued on this show here. I went to one place. Well, I was going to go to one place. And then I changed my mind because I wanted to go somewhere new. And then I went somewhere new. And it's like the kitchen had a blackout while they were making my food or something because I didn't get exactly what I was expecting and it wasn't really up to my liking. And I'm not going to name them because I I actually do like them and I'm just going to consider that they had a a bad day. So we'll we'll bring them again sometime to where I can say positive things about them because I don't want to talk about small portions of stuff. So, you know, had match one. And then the power went out, so I went somewhere else. And unfortunately, it's like they picked up the the stuff that was left over from the storm a couple days ago and put it on a bun. So I'm not going to say their name either because <laughs> it's the first time I've been there and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that it was just a bad day. So much like the people who uh, watched the show originally way back in 1996 and were left with not really much of anything, we're kind of left with not much of anything. We, we had a, a sandwich... The meat was kind of overly, I won't even say overly, it's really dry, uh, the sauce tasted weird. The okra was good though, that's partially why I got it because okra is a thing from, it's a it's a popular thing in South Carolina, so it's not crispy at the moment, but you know, fried okra. Fried okra was good. Yeah. yeah. It's never, can't go wrong with fried okra. You can get a lot of places, you can make it yourself at home, sell it in the freezer, my friends over at Iron Star here in Oklahoma City, where I was going to go the first time, but we feature them often, should have just went there, but what are you going to do? They have whole fried okra instead of just the little okra nuggets that you're used to seeing at other places. I always yeah. think, why doesn't somebody do fried pickled okra? backdoor barbecue once upon a time when they were open, they did have fried pickled okra. That's, yeah, yeah, the first time I bit in it, it seems was like, like a great idea. what
2: the hell? Okay, this is actually kind of good. Yeah, it sounds nice. Um, I, mean, I like it either way. but
1: Yeah, uh, I had, I a had planned a, a somewhat chicken. of a South Carolina, Southern inspired food thing going on here with some okra and some collard greens and some cornbread. And then I switched it up and was going to bring some shrimp and some hush puppies. And then I couldn't, well, I didn't want to offer those because they weren't what I wanted exactly. And then I got barbecue from somewhere else, which I'm going to hope that they're better next time. But
0: there's okra.
2: Hey, you had, you had problems. The show had problems. Yes. Hopefully the
1: matches aren't full of problems.
0: <laughs> Hopefully.
1: But yeah, that's unfortunately kind of a sad food trip around the world. I did what I did and it didn't do me right.
0: Well, something that would happen right around the same time as this show bone thugs and harmony mm-hmm. would ask us to meet them at the crossroads being the number one song for eight weeks.
2: I mean, it was a, a huge, a uh, huge song. I remember, uh, hearing this as a kid and my uh, cousin who was years older than me being, uh, pretty obsessed with it. Her and her <laughs> friend. And, uh, I feel like that it's kind of the first super memorable like rap song in my life. It's not like a novelty song. The one that like penetrated to like, you know, through like yeah, through the radio to to me
0: as a kid where I was like, "Oh yeah,
2: It's
0: the unavoidable." It's can, the anyone, can anyone name another Bunthugs and Harmony song?
2: Uh-huh. I can name a bunch. Oh, okay. First of the month. You know the first of the month? Wake up, wake up. No. First of the month, get your check and get off. That's awesome. kind of the point of yeah. why yeah, I I'm yeah, trying um, to
0: think of other ones. No. I mean, I probably have heard one, but like,
2: there's the uh, shit. What's the, the none movie? of them are yeah. coming to? Mind. There's the cowboy one. My favorite one is off the their first EP, and Easy E does a guest verse on it. Because Easy E uh, discovered Bone Thugs and put them on, uh, but E Eternal is actually a really good record. That's the name of this album, or I think it's called E Eternal. I don't know. Whatever that song this album's on is good. The EP before it is also good. I feel like there's another single on here that I can't think of. Oh, Two Shots to the Glock. I don't know if that's off this album. It might be, but I listened to a lot of bone thugs at one point in my life. It it does sound like that. It was uh, music to smoke weed to, and uh, I had a lot of friends that smoked weed, including myself. I was my own friend. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bone thugs. You can't really, you can't get what they do anywhere else. That's for sure. Nobody else sounds like that. No. No, definitely they, not. They
1: were, I remember them being one of the first ones where they were spitting out the words so fast that I couldn't understand what they were saying, and there weren't many songs before then that I couldn't just listen to once and be able to spit back at, and yeah.
2: How many members of Bone Thugs can you name?
1: <laughs> Busy. Is yeah, World... Busy is the first one that comes to mind. <laughs> like, Busy
2: Bone, and then I'm like, fuck. I know I know more of these, but I just totally blank out.
0: That's the only my I think of. Literally, I think I don't know anything about Bone Thugs and Harmony other than they released the song, The uh, Crossroads. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, I think you'd enjoy some of it. There's a really funny song, cowboy song. It's like it's like a very, very funny. Yeah. It's so stupid that, that I kind of love it. <laughs> uh, oh, Thuggish Ruggish Bone. Can't oh, yeah. I didn't remember that one either. That's right. It's the Thuggish Ruggish Bone. That's a big one. First of the month, yeah. I mean, you know. Ghetto Cowboy. That song is hilarious.
1: Wait a minute. Ghetto Cowboy. We just, yeah. New Year's Eve. I pulled that one up on my phone because my nephew's (laughs) wife was talking about she kept saying she wanted to listen to Bone and Thugs. Bone and Thugs? What are you talking about? I mean, I had a feeling I knew what she was talking about, but then she said Ghetto Cowboy and like I don't know that song. It's funny as it fuck,
2: yeah, dude. It's yeah. really... I like the part where... I don't know what, who the female rapper is, but uh, she comes in with her verse, and, like, it's in the, the, like, weird western movie of the song, but, like, she her verse is her popping out from behind a bush with, like, a shotgun. It's really, really
0: funny. Very, very funny song. Uh, I honestly didn't even know that the Crossroads was about eazy
2: Oh, yeah, it's absolutely that easy. I mean, which, mm-hmm. one, See you at the so you once I longer. read that, I was
0: like, oh, well, that makes sense. Yep, uh,
2: For the Love of Money is my, the Bone Thug song that I really love that has the easy E verse. But, yeah, I mean, I figured that Matt would have been a little bit more familiar with the thought of Bone Thugs. But maybe that's just because you were probably one a degenerate pothead, like I was, and degenerate potheads love, or at least love, I don't know about the ones today, but uh, they love both Thugs and
1: I like them. I don't know if I love them.
2: I mean, same. There's like four or I'm... five songs that I really enjoy, but they were so overplayed that I well, that's do not thing. revisit it. It's...
1: Yeah, that's that's why I do not love them, because they were so overplayed that it's like Taylor Swift today, where you just, if you're actually listening to the radio, you could hit each station and you'd be at a different part of the same song, because <laughs> all all the radio stations were playing the same yeah. song at the same time.
2: Yeah, me and my close friends were more NWA, or were E guys, and then there were, like ancillary friends were the ones that were probably blasting the Bone Thugs in Harmony more. We uh we didn't really like it wasn't our go to, but we knew the tunes.
0: What, was an East Coast, West Coast thing.
2: No, no, same coast. <laughs> Actually I don't know, I right? see so, yeah, Bone Thugs has gotta be from it. the same. I, but, yeah, it's I, easy, yeah. found them. 'em.
1: Let's find out. I'm watching D. got of a... Carolina. <laughs> I don't think they're
2: <laughs> could be Chicago. I don't think they're from New York. Ohio. Oh wow, way. that's fun. Probably don't live there for long. I mean, the bad thing is, is no matter how popular they were, there's like probably five or six of them. Oh yeah, you gotta split all that money. It pays to just be Nas or Jay Z. <laughs> so, so I don't know
0: how to split it up with everyone. So what was the name of the guy that you said?
2: I uh, you know. It's busy. busy bone, crazy bone, flesh and bone. I can't think of any other ones. Wishbone and
0: lazy bone. Wishbone and lazy bone. It feels like lazy bone was the leader in naming
1: <laughs>
2: I mean, they should have just not done the bone gimmick, but whatever. Say,
1: hopefully, lazy and not crazy, because those names aren't crazy.
0: Well, that's enough about bone thugs.
1: I <laughs> say so. so. I got-
0: We get animation with the WWF logo coming on the screen before highlights of Shawn Michaels while an anonymous silhouette of a woman calls him a homewrecker and that he ruined her marriage. I know you want me. We then see highlights of Diana Smith confronting the Heartbreak Kid on Raw, saying she knows that he wants her, Mm -hmm. only for him to tell her to not flatter herself. She then slaps Sean, and the bulldog begins to brawl with Michaels. We then go to Heartbreak Kid saying he's tired of the character assassination before we see the In Your House logo chained to a doghouse. And Vince McMahon welcomes us to the show, joined by Jerry the King Lawler for commentary. And he dedicates the show to fallen soldiers, as it was Memorial Day weekend, before the king gets a Mission Impossible reference in. Mm-hmm. Because it had just been released a few weeks earlier.
2: Damn, I didn't realize that
0: movie was...
2: We talked about it
0: like... I know we did, but I, yeah. I probably said the
2: same thing. But in my head, it's not 96 or whatever. It seems like it's 98, and it's not. But in my mind, I can't ever, I can't ever like thin it down to 96. It just feels wrong. Yeah, I think it was last week. It was. It was. It was. Week, yeah. It was, but that's why every time somebody brings up... No, no way did it come out in 96. <laughs>
1: Uh, it sure did. It did, yeah. I was working at Blockbuster.
0: But we go to our first match. Hunter Hearst Helmsley with Rosemarie Lynn versus Wildman Mark Merrow with Sable. And Vince McMahon is
1: quick
2: to talk up Sable over the current Triple H
1: girl. Yeah, I mean, it was just WrestleMania that he had Sable there. Mm-hmm.
0: And now he doesn't. He's got old Rosemary. Which I have nothing on Rosemary. I looked her up, yeah. couldn't find anything about her. Probably first and only. Don Marie's older sister or
2: something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Vince sends us to footage from Superstars, where Bob Backlund has the Wild Man in a cross faced chicken wing when Triple H would attack, giving Marrow the pedigree. We then get sent to the back where Doc Hendricks interviews the Wild Man, saying how he can counter Hunter's finish. But Marrow ignores the question and starts rambling. It's the dawning of a new day for Mark Darrow. It's time to answer the call of the wild, welcoming Triple H to the jungle. He then makes a weird face at the camera, because I think he pretty much expected his music to start sooner, Um, so that his face would match up with the roar uh, in his music. Hey, he's trying. (laughs) Because it makes sense. Yeah. Because, like,
2: it once, does, once but... the music
0: hits, like, you see his face, you're like, oh, okay, that's what he's going for. But he, like, literally does it and then has to hold it for, like, three seconds before the music hit. And I was just like, yeah. Yeah. Poor, yeah. poor Mero. I was going to say, poor
1: Johnny. Why He should have just been Johnny Be Good.
0: Bring him in there. <laughs> Bring him in there. Have, have, have him be, be old he Jerry even kept... Lee Lewis or whoever the could've hell. He could have even kept the movie. music because he could Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wild Man runs right into the ring to attack, but Hunter rolls to the floor to regroup. But once back in the ring, Merrill ends up knocking Triple H back out of the ring with right hands before flying over the ropes with a plancha. Wildman rolls Hunter into the ring and follows up with a slingshot leg drop for a two count. Merrow then sets him up for a big left hand.
2: The kiss that I don't miss!
0: Only for Triple H to rake the eyes to slow the momentum. You know that's what we're getting, though? We're getting him as the opening match,
1: which was his thing in WCW. You know what he does good Mm -hmm. here?
2: He does a good opening match here. It's just like he did in WCW. It's solid stuff. I love Jerry Lawler just shitting all over Sable, and Vince does not like it. He uh, makes a joke about he thinks that they shot the film Gorillas in the Mist in her shower. (laughs) It's like, Jesus
0: Christ. (laughs) Hunter then is whipped to the corner for his version of the flare flip. Falling back into the ring where he walks into a big left hand for a near fall. Wildman then charges into a corner, only for Triple H to move, sending Marrow's shoulder first into the ring post. Posted, allowing Hunter to pounce on the injury, working the arm and shoulder by sending him into the post again, an armbreaker DDT and other strikes. Triple H then keeps up the attack with a leaping knee and an arm lock. Wildman rallies with a roll-up for a two count. All while Waller is talking about how pretty Rose Marie is. Because hmm. Sable's so ugly that Ted Danson wouldn't even
1: uh, Yeah, I remember that line. <laughs> <in> that. <laughs> okay, dude. Like, why you gotta throw that out there? I mean, is it the whole Whoopi I assume thing? you just
2: call him Whoopi Goldberg ugly, there.
1: Mm.
2: Which is not very nice. Mm.
0: Hunter continues the punishment on the arm by slamming it against the ring post multiple times. I'm so running Marrow into a turnbuckle shoulder first before working an arm breaker only for the wild man to make it to the ropes. Triple H, with a knee drop on the arm, works another arm lock before throwing him into the corner, shoulder first. Hunter attempts a back suplex, only for Merrill to flip over and hit a body-scissors sunset flip for a near-fall, but Triple H comes right back with a clothesline for a two-count. Hunter stays on the arm, yanking it down across the ropes before climbing up top, where he comes off with a single sledge, and works an arm bar with leverage until transitioning to more knee drops onto the arm. Triple H with a hammer lock body slam before heading up top again, only for the Wild man to hit the ropes to knock him down, causing Hunter to crotch himself. Merrill heads up as well to deliver a super Frankensteiner, but he cannot capitalize for a cover. Triple H then sends the Wild man to the ropes and he goes for a side slam but Merrill reverses into a head-scissors takedown. Wildman continues with a running knee lift, a back body drop, and he heads up top for the flying sunset flip for a near fall. Meryl then sends Hunter to the floor with a drop kick and attempts a somersault plancha over the ropes, but Triple H avoids, causing the Wildman to tweak his knee.
2: It's a really nice sell, too, the way he lands on it, yeah. and then, like, falls, it's like, Marrow's not as bad
0: as everybody says he is. Back in the ring, Hunter starts yelling at Sable before setting up for the pedigree. But he decides to do more damage with a clubbing blow to the back with Sable not being able to look on. She's like, oh, no. Triple H rolls out to the floor and grabs her, telling her that she has to watch. So he goes back in to hit the pedigree, only for Marrow to reverse into a catapult, sending Hunter into the ring post. Falling back into the ring where the wild man makes the cover for the pin and, and the wind. wind. The, the
2: arm work was great, and the fact that it wasn't like back to the mat and I'm gonna, you know, prank your arm or hammer lock. It's like the, the variety of uh, choices on working the shoulder were uh, really nice. Absolutely.
0: We go to the locker room and Mr. Perfect is there with Camp Cornette. We see Clarence Mason wearing a neck brace and a sling because Sean had attacked him. Owen even has a cast, but I think that was actually a legit injury. Perfect wants to know about Corny's bombshells, but he won't reveal the big one because he doesn't want Michaels to know. Jim follows up with that heartbreak kid, made his bed, and he tried to get Diana to sleep in it. Now... He will sleep in it by himself. <laughs> so he's just going to have a lonely night. I'm sure I'm
2: sure he'll
1: find s- somebody <laughs> else. Surely there's got to be somebody. Maybe old
0: uh, Rosemary. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Cornette then does give one scoop to Mr. Perfect. He got Owen a manager's license, so he will be managing Bulldog tonight because Jim had other responsibilities with Vader.
2: Yeah, and uh, Jim explains something about the you know South Carolina athletic commission. Only you can only have like a manager can only manage one match on the show or whatever. He explains this, even though we've seen that in other managers manage plenty of people throughout cards. But you know he gives uh, a but reasonable in,
0: answer. In South Carolina,
2: non-South Carolina, exactly. He gave a reasonable
0: answer. And Hart shows the manager's license off and and his slamming because. He's proud of both of them. Oh, yeah. Which the slammy is what he won for the biggest rat in 1994. Uh (laughs) We then see the In Your House logo chained up again. And this is when the show had technical difficulties as the thunderstorm cut the power to the building. As I said, the pay per view feed was lost for an hour or so. The emergency lights on in the arena. And the cameras were battery operated. So they went ahead and filmed the rest of the card. But the footage was unusable. The power would return just in time for the main event. So we get our second match. Ba, ba, ba. The British Bulldog with Diana Smith, Clarence Mason, and Owen Hart versus Shawn Michaels with Jose Lothario for the WWF Championship. And as Bulldog enters the arena, we get sent to the back with Doc interviewing the Heartbreak Kid. And Hendricks asks if the big bombshell concerns him, only for him to joke about Cornet dropping a bomb on the satellite feed. Sean then compares Diana's accusations to a storyline from Melrose Place, and that it doesn't fly with the click. Mm, such a good time. Michaels also tells Bulldog and Diana not to beware of dogs. You should beware of the click. And Heartbreak Kid then makes his way through the backstage area, where he runs into Mr. Perfect. The two men exchange glances with Vince wondering what this is all about. Mm. Shane, do you know what this is all about? I do not. I don't know either. I was waiting for you to tell me. Well, that's a bummer. Maybe they were built into something. But yeah. I think Perfect ends up someplace else before they got to it.
1: <laughs> yep. I uh... wonder if he got injured again or something. Or wasn't medically cleared in time. Or... The WWF doctors probably wouldn't play.
2: <laughs> the angle alone of like Diana, like Sean trying to sleep with Diana or yeah. whatever, it just seems.
1: I know you want me.
2: So bizarre. Yes. Yeah. It's just kind of like, well, we need to match. How about Davey Boy and Sean Michaels? Well, how do we get there? Maybe Sean tried to fuck her? It's like, fine. Okay. That doesn't really seem very compelling. All she has to say is like, no. And he's like, said about it, yeah, but
1: I don't know one person can't wreck a home by themselves, so yeah where were you otherwise it's like
2: him? legitimately like but he's a sexy
0: boy. could she say no?
2: he's not a boy toy she said she said no
0: so once Sean makes it to the ring, Clarence Mason takes the mic to announce the big bombshell huge the Smith family is suing Michaels, serving him with a summons. For attempted alienation of affection. Yeah.
1: Boom. You got served. Attempted alienation of affection.
2: And then I love that yeah, Vince McMahon's like that's a dirty thing yeah. to do, and it's like I don't know where I land on either side of this <laughs> so silly, silly, silly thing.
1: And it just makes me wonder now all these years later, was Vince served a subpoena at one point for I mean, yeah, I, attempted alienation of affection? And very similar
2: <laughs> very similar thoughts. I was like this has to be, like, this could only make sense to that man. I don't think that, uh... There's
1: some good shit. <laughs> yeah. It's good admit, shit now. I hit on Davey Boy's wife. We gotta do something to make her happy. Okay, yeah, we'll put her on camera. Give her a paycheck.
2: Um, we'll use our, my storyline. <laughs> the storyline uh, I'm I'm going through right now.
0: But HBK just rips up the summons before Davey Boy attacks him from behind. But Sean fends him off finally with the hip toss. Michaels is then back body dropped over to the apron, but he slides back into the ring under Bulldog's legs, goes for a super kick, but Davy Boy avoids and slides out to the floor to regroup. HBK follows out with a slingshot plancha, and he starts to wear down Bulldog with a headlock until he escapes to apply a bear huck, but Sean pokes the eyes to get out of it. Michael starts using his speed and agility to get some pen attempts and an enziguri, before going to an armlock, which Davy Boy powers out of, Bulldog continues with a back body drop, slams HBK down by the hair, and goes to a headlock of his own to wear Shawn down. Davy Boy then lifts Michaels up into a Canadian backbreaker, which HBK breaks free from, and he goes for a crucifix pin, but Bulldog transitions it into a Samoan drop. Davey Boy keeping up the attack with a leg drop for a two count before going for a headlock again while Owen Hart is yelling at the camera or a fan. He's yelling at someone. Yeah, he's healing it up. Sean escapes with right hands and he starts to run the ropes where he ducks multiple clotheslines but he ends up falling out of the ring with commentary trying to make sense of it all but they fail to do so.
2: I mean, it's pretty tough. Like, how are they the bad guys if... Sean tried to get her to commit adultery. Like, like how is he? Not, how is he the face? It's so confusing. Yeah. Don't try to make sense. I of can't. It. Yeah. It's,
1: it's so it's so weird. Diana got busted with a copy of Sean's Playgirl.
0: No, is that what it was? <laughs> Bulldog follows out to throw Michaels into the guardrail, slamming him into the apron before returning to the ring. HBK makes it to the apron, and he fights off Davy Boy, before leaping into the ring with a slingshot lariat. The two men then end up colliding as they run the ropes, but when they make it to their feet, Sean rallies with a leaping forearm, a body slam, and a top rope double axe handle for a two count. Michaels then telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Bulldog to kick him away, and he starts to run the ropes again, only to run into the ref, sending him flying. To the outside of the ring.
2: Ref bump. It's a big ref bump.
0: HBK looks to take advantage by heading up top, hitting an elbow drop, and he begins to tune up the band when Owen Hart would roll into the ring only to receive some sweet chin music. This distraction would allow Davy Boy to attack when a new ref would roll into the ring before Bulldog would attempt the running power slam. But Sean wiggles out the back, sending Davy Boy hard into the corner where he bounces back into a bridging German suplex for the pin and And the win. win. And Bulldog's music hits as Mike Chioda raises his arm with Diana grabbing the title. Cornette then comes running down to celebrate when Earl Hebner, the original ref, would come back into the ring to argue with Chioda and he raises Michael's arm. Now HBK's music hits while diana walks off with the title belt holding it over her head but president gorilla monsoon walks past her snatching the belt out of her hands before coming into the ring to declare the match a draw so sean would keep his championship
2: and then sean's music plays again
0: (laughs) so during the replay that they show you can see hebner in the background Making the count on Davy Boy, mm-hmm. so they at least had some video proof why they did this finish. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
2: It kind of like I rewound it a few times and like, old dog might barely get a shoulder up for like, but it's
0: very very questionable. I literally think both of them had their shoulders down the entire time. Yeah, but like if anybody, if one of them didn't
2: for a second. It was Bulldog, but it wasn't like it yeah. It in any in any other match no one would have called that. It's just kind of a mess on top of a mess. So But then uh, Ring stuff wasn't terrible.
0: So I also have a obnoxious HBK fact of the night. Okay. So during the headlock that Bulldog had Sean in, mm-hmm. you can see Sean's entire attitude change at one point like literally he's there he's like working to get out and then all of a sudden you can just see him just kind of like like he kind of just throws his arms up like oh fuck because basically Hebner at that point gave them the go home signal it, it cut the match down because they were running short on time because of the thunderstorms yeah yeah and it legitimately pissed Michaels off and he starts yelling at Hebner while he's in the headlock and this is, like, so, and the very next thing is him escaping, and then the ducking of the clotheslines, uh-huh. and then he falls out of the ring. He was supposed to be clotheslined to, like, be knocked out of the ring, I think. Yeah. And he still did the move, just to be fucking obnoxious, Shawn Michaels, basically. Yeah, he's being
2: a shithead. He's famously yeah. a shithead.
0: Like, is that where
1: Shawn flopped down, hit the mat, rolled out, or, like, fell out of the ring, hit the
0: floor? Yeah. Yeah. Because he wasn't touched. Yeah. He ducked a clothesline and then he was just like, and then he fell down like, like he was hit and then rolled out to the floor. Yeah, yeah. he was like, yeah, and I'm out. They're going to take a powder. But at this point, Vince says his goodbyes and we fade to black. But we then go to North Charleston Coliseum for night two. And then, like I said earlier, they would show the previous two matches on pay-per-view followed by the matches on this taping. And we're welcome to the show by Jim Ross, who we haven't seen since In Your House 5, episode 176, and he's joined by Mr. Perfect for commentary, because like I said earlier, they were in town for a Superstars taping, and they were the commentators for Superstars.
2: Yeah, who knew you'd get Beware of Dog and Beware of Dog 2, all within less than seven days of each other. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's a quick sequel turnaround. It's like this Tuesday in Texas all over again.
0: <laughs> so we go to our third match Stone Cold Steve Austin with Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase versus Savio Vega in a Caribbean strap match. And they show the low lights of their match from Sunday because there was no lights. Yeah. Then on Raw on the previous night where DiBiase would acknowledge that Savio had won that match, but claimed he couldn't do it again. A Million Dollar Man even promised to leave the WWF if Vega were to win. But when Savio loses, he would have to become DiBiase's chauffeur, which was actually the original stipulation for their match on Sunday. Yeah. So they just added, basically, the Ted DiBiase leading, leading yeah. stipulation for this one. And you win this match by dragging your opponent and touching all four corners in succession. And JR tells us that Vega has never lost a strap match.
2: Has he ever had a strap match?
0: So, Who knows on that? <laughs> yeah, not that we've seen. Well, I mean, later, later when they, they mention
1: that he's had like 30 or 31 of them, something like oh, that. Oh, really? I mean, he
0: at least had the one on Sunday.
1: very good
0: (laughs) I mean I can technically say I've never lost a strap match either
2: same
0: same so Stone Cold threatens Savio with the strap as he enters but the ref finally calms it down enough to get the strap connected to both men only for Austin to continuously roll out to the floor to stall when Vega gets an advantage Savio rolls out to hit a back elbow Slam Stone Cold into the apron before rolling him back in to whip Austin with the whip, Like the strap.
2: The camera uh, does a shot with the chauffeur's hat sitting on top of the million dollar belt.
0: Stone Cold looks to Bell again over the top rope, but Vegas stops him, bringing him back in the hard way and delivering a roundhouse kick. Sabio then touches a pair of turnbuckles when Austin trips him up and starts whipping him with the strap. The two men then brawl their way out of the ring, where they trade more strikes, including Stone Cold dropping Vega onto a guardrail, while learning that Mr. Perfect has no clue where kidneys are located. Uh, he thinks it's in the stomach area. Yes. Yeah, over here. That's not. Mm-hmm. That's not where they are.
1: Yeah, no. I bruised mine once upon a time.
0: Austin begins choking Sabio with the strap before bringing him back into the ring with, with a vertical suplex and hog tying Vega, allowing him to touch two turnbuckles until Sabio just flings Stone Cold around the ring into a corner. We get a strap aided clothesline by Vega, more whipping, but he gets back body dropped over the ropes to the floor. But Austin is dragged over as well. It's kind of a wicked move because he went backwards and I was like eee.
2: yeah the I like the hog tie. that was kind of fun you guys all know how I feel about strap matches they're your favorite there's only so much you can do in them and if Savio Vega is involved what am I to do with
0: this stone cold goes for a suplex only for it to be blocked and reversed by Savio right on the to the floor but Austin rakes the eyes, only to be caught with a shot to the gut as he leaps off the steel steps with a double axe handle. Back in the ring, Vega's dragging Stone Cold around, and he touches three corners. Stone Cold's able to trip him up to stop the momentum. Austin's swinging away with the strap, and he goes for a suplex, but it's blocked, and Savio takes Stone Cold to the top rope for a superplex. And Vega starts touching corners again. One. Two, three, when Austin would hit a desperation Spinebuster. I mean, that's nice. That Spinebuster. Stone Cold keeps it up with a guillotine body press, more choking with a strap before going for a tombstone pile driver, only for them to reverse through it multiple times, sending Savio over the ropes to the floor. And Austin climbs the turnbuckle, Vega pulls him off over the ring post and into the guardrail, only for Stone Cold to retaliate by ramming Savio into the steps. Vega recovers to then yank Austin into the steel steps as well, before they head back into the ring where Savio puts Stone Cold on his shoulders as he walks to corners one, two, but Austin slides off and is holding onto Vega, but he punches down to allow him to touch the third corner. And Savio heads towards number four, but Stone Cold rips the strap, causing Vega to fall backward, and Austin is able to nail a pile driver. Million Dollar Man encourages him to hit a second pile driver, only for Savio to reverse it into a back body drop. Now Stone Cold locks on the Million Dollar Dream, only for Vega to start walking to each corner with Austin on his back. But he begins to fade, only to use the third turnbuckle to propel himself backwards. To break free. Stone Cold then hangs Savio. Over his shoulder with the strap. And he's walking around touching corners. But Vegas slaps him as well. As Austin walks away. And we get to three. When the two men end up having a tug of war. With Stone Cold pulling Savio. Into the fourth corner. For the win.
2: Bum bum bum. As far as these kind of matches go. The finish is kind of interesting. Because he's like. Tapping him behind him. And then, you know, they didn't touch each other. Because if they touched each other, then it would be... If they like if you, they were if if creating rights over. or something to yeah. start over. But they were just doing a, a tug of war. So, I'll give him a little bit for
0: that. Post-match, DiBiase is furious. I mean... But Austin doesn't seem to care. And just walks out on him. Vega then grabs the mic to lead the crowd in singing... Na-na-na-na. Na 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 na. <laughs> hey, 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 hey.
2: Goodbye. Is it hey. really a goodbye?
0: For him in the WWF, as he would head south to become the money behind the scenes for a new group that had just arrived the night before on Nitro. Pom pom bum. bum you know who I'm talking about. I know we didn't cover that.
2: No. We talked about that.
0: We just talked about it, <laughs> yeah, there's not much else that happens on that night yeah, a, yeah, that yeah, yeah. so we'll see him at the crossroads, don't worry <laughs> It was kind of uh, I mean, I
2: don't know if sad is the right word, but see Ted DiBiase go he had some of the best like introduction of early w w f as far as his character and gimmick, and lasted for a long time, but it never really reached. It never went past the heights of its, like, initial yeah. run. He was just kind of there for a long time.
1: Like, we had the WrestleMania 4 love. Mm-hmm. We had the Million Dollar Man, Dusty road Sherry, Sapphire Saga going on. And then it just went.
2: Yeah, it just feels like we didn't... I mean, it works with the gimmick.
1: We didn't get to see him wrestle much. But. I guess Money Inc. was a thing for a while. They had some stuff. But, yeah, he just... Slowly went down, and the transition from wrestler to manager, I wasn't crazy about for him. Great theme song. Yes. Still is. Absolutely.
0: JR plugs the AOL chat that's happening right now with the Heartbreak Kid. What do you think he's saying in
1: the chat room? Is this where they actually showed Sean? Yes. Hovering above the the keyboard, trying to figure out, Uh what, what letter is this? I can't. Yeah. He...
2: Yeah. yeah, it looks like um, a uh, PlayStation 1 game where this guy's sitting, like, typing on a keyboard, but the answer's floating over it.
0: We then go to our fourth match, Vader with Jim Cornette versus Yoko Zuna, And we get a replay of the Mastodon injuring Yoko's leg, with Ross saying this will be an old-fashioned slobber knocker. I mean, the visual of him getting pulled out with the forklift.
2: It's great. It's wonderful.
0: <laughs> so the two men trade punches as soon as Zuna enters the ring. When Yokozuna would chop the throat, causing Vader to regroup in the corner. Yoko motions for a sumo showdown. But the Mastodon hesitates. Only for when they do collide. Vader's knocked down and out of the ring. I
2: love that he has like the more straightforward sumo stance and then Vader's got more of a like, you know, like defensive line football stance. Yeah. And Vader is the one that doesn't want to engage, and then when he does, of course, Yoko's like 650, so who's who's hitting
0: the man? When the Mastodon returns, Zuna starts laying it in, but the Mastodon answers with some stiff shots of his own, until Yoko Zuna trips him up and attacks the leg. Vader, with a rake of the eyes to slow the momentum, before trying for a body slam, but he fails, as JR says, Ahmed Johnson is the only person to have been able to do so. And I was like, poor Lex. Aww.
2: That's Lex Erasure. I already gotten forgotten. The narcissist.
0: Yoko <laughs> then ducks a roundhouse right and nails a Uranagi, a corner splash and a Samoan drop. Uranagi. Before dragging the mastodon to the corner for a bonsai drop, when Corny would jump on the apron to distract Zuna. He pulls Cornet into the ring so Jim cowers away but he receives a headbutt before Yokozuna looks to give him the drop, only for Vader to yank Corny out of the way, causing Yoko to land hard on the mat. The Mastodon attacks the injured leg before climbing the ropes for a Vader bomb. For the pin! And
2: And the the win. win! So is Yokozuna going to fat camp, or is he fired? He's
0: just... He's just losing to Vader. Losing to Vader. Okay, i just, okay. Vader's on the elevator up.
2: Oh, of course he is. Yokozuna has been on the bizarre elevator down for what seems like a fucking he's half just a decade. Been now. The stairs. Yeah, he's the escalator. Maybe, maybe the, escalator. the escalator, yeah. It's a little bit slower than the elevator
0: <laughs> We then get a commercial for King of the Ring. And we see Jerry the King Lawler denying some poor children food before choking to death. During a banquet and going to heaven.
2: It's so funny.
0: Finding himself in a wrestling ring. Calling it the great ring in the sky. And he says, I truly am the king. All of a sudden he's hit over the head with a guitar. By Elvis. Thank you very much. The king of rock is joined by other various kings such as King Tut, Don King, and King Kong. Don King was alive.
1: I'm trying to think of uh, who the dog was though. There was a dub.
0: There was a couple people that I had no clue who they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. I was
2: like, there's some things I was like, I was like, why is Don King there? Because
0: he's Cause the,
2: the king. king. Yeah, but he's not there in heaven or
1: or mm-hmm. hell or the afterlife.
0: It's a commercial. I, I know. Don't think too hard about it. It's- but I wanna.
1: <laughs> Vince McMahon. Uh, this would be funny. Yeah.
0: They tell Lawler he's no king and beat him up with Jerry asking, Where am I? And the devil arrives laughing at him. <laughs> Back in the arena, JR announces a few of the matches we will sing at King of the Ring before showing us the bracket for the tournament. And we see Vader's already made it all the way to the semifinals because of a disqualification. Oh, was it,
2: yeah, he got, got that bye? He got a bye in the second round, so...
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah somebody's going to have to go up against a fresh Vader. Yep. You know? So we go to our fifth match, Goldust, with Marlena versus the undertaker with paul bearer for the wwf Intercontinental continental championship the champion comes out first foreshadowing. foreshadowing and ross sends us to footage from the previous night's raw when ahmed johnson would meet gold dust in the aisleway, taking him back to the ring when the golden one would try to avoid a match we then see Ahmed shoving Coronet into Vader before nailing a spinebuster on the Mastodon, only for Owen Hart to come flying in off the top rope with a cast-aided double axe handle, allowing Vader to get the win, giving Johnson his first loss. Ahmed would be stretchered out when Gold Dust would revive him with mouth-to-mouth. But once he realized what happened, Johnson would go crazy, breaking through the Golden One's door. So that's how we... Someone's a foe. So, Ahmed, Johnson, and Goldust kind of have a feud going on. Will they, won't they? Undertaker <laughs> has a feud going on with someone. But somehow these two are in a match against each other in a casket match for the Intercontinental Championship. I mean, you have your face freak and your heel
2: freak. Might as well put them on... A show together? Or put them in a Catholic match together?
0: So, one, I'm glad that WWF has decided to, like, try and weave stories in and out. Good for them. But at the same time, you didn't tell us the story of why these two people are in the ring with each other.
2: No, but I'm also not mad about it because it's like, ah, oh, two Texas boys that probably got some respect for each other. Let's, let's go. I like uh, Dustin. I like, you know, I like Taker. Make your daddy proud.
0: So the dead man's music hits, and out walks Bearer. And when the lights come back on, Taker is already in the ring, attacking Goldust from behind, causing him to bail to the floor with Undertaker giving chase. Back in the ring, the dead man whips the golden one around the ring, hits a back elbow before tossing him towards the casket, where Goldust freaks out at the sight of it. Taker continues the punishment with a clothesline, tosses the Golden One over the ropes and to the floor, following out to slam his head into the steel steps. Goldust has his head slammed into the casket then, before being rolled back in where the Undertaker slams him down and falls up with a leg drop. An old school. Old school. The dead man charges into a back elbow, allowing the Golden One to slam him down, only for Taker to sit right back up. Oh, my God. Undertaker telegraphs a back body drop, so Goldust drops him down for the uppercut, only for the dead man to avoid, so once the golden one is to his feet, he chops Taker and hits a tombstone pile driver, but again, sits right back up.
2: It's nice to see Undertaker take the pile driver. It's Gold, kind
0: of fun. Goldust keeps it up with several strikes before rolling the Undertaker into the casket. But the dead man comes alive as the door is being closed, returning to the ring with strikes of his own. Oh, R.I.P. Uh, I love that
2: R.I.P. is the chant for for Taker, yeah. uh, and and against Goldust. It's just so so nice. I also love that Goldust isn't as afraid. He's afraid of the casket, but yeah. he's not of he's not like afraid of Taker the way that most people are, especially in the casket matches where they're like you know, shaking in their boots whenever they're going up against him. Like, he's going to him toe-to-toe. He's just, you know, afraid of the casket, because why wouldn't he be? Number one, it's a casket, and
0: number two, you lose the match. Taker hits a big boot, charges in, only be back body dropped to the floor.
2: Where he doesn't land on his feet. Which I also was like, hell yeah, Texas boys, they got some love for each other. Undertaker wouldn't do that for everybody
0: with the Golden One following out, where he slams Undertaker's head into the steps and chokes him with cables. Back in the ring, Goldust works on the back, applying a sleeper to get the dead man to take a nap. And the Golden One rolls Taker into the casket again, goes to close the lid, when Undertaker gets an arm outside of the coffin. He just, like, reaches out so he can't close the door. Yeah, it's a great visual. Goldust even climbs on top of the casket to close it, But the dead man powers the door open, sending the golden one into the guardrail. They roll back into the ring where Taker ducks a clothesline. It's followed by delivering a leaping clothesline of his own, and a clothesline that sends them both over the ropes and to the floor. Undertaker grabs a chair to use, but Goldust gets a big boot up, followed by a lariat. Then the golden one rolls the dead man back into the ring for a power slam. Yes. And he goes up top for a flying clothesline. He makes the cover, but the refs just yell at him that that's not the way you win.
2: He was excited. <laughs> he just power slammed, you know, the Undertaker.
0: Goldust then attempts old school, only to be yanked down into the ring before Taker nails a tombstone pile driver. Not so fast, golden one. Undertaker goes to open the casket, only to find mankind inside. Who locks on the mandible claw, placing the dead man into the casket and closing the lid, giving the golden one the wind?
2: Yeah, I mean, come on, this is good stuff.
0: Post-match, Mankind uses a key to lock the coffin closed, and smoke starts coming out of it. And Paul Bearer orders the rest to open the casket, but it's empty. And then Mankind... Squeals and pulls out his own hair, yep. as he's wont to do. And then Marty Janetti rises... Oh, wait. Wrong pay-per-view. <laughs> Paul just starts yelling, He's gone! As JR says his goodbyes. And we fade to black. So I ask you, gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of In Your House 8? wear of Dog. I will say that I know this
2: probably was not the planned last match... I know for a fact it is because we talked about it. <laughs> but Mankind coming out of the casket, pretty wonderful way to end the show. Some of the, I feels like some of the, the matches were maybe long. There's only like a few matches, it seems like.
1: I mean, they spread out over three days,
2: so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I feel like everybody kind of delivers even though there's not any like strong feuds here. Like everybody does a good job with what they got going on, even though I'm not super into strap matches, uh, I think that considering that I have no interest in Savio Vega ever, uh, yeah, I don't like Savio. I, he just kind of feels like a turd with arms and legs. Yeah. It's like, he's not awful, but he's so not compelling. But having somebody as yeah, compelling as is...
1: Ramon until you came around, Savio, <laughs> and I now know, he's it's gone. Shit. Yeah, exactly. It's
2: like here's my, yeah. The big guy has a friend that's not as big of a guy.
1: But this guy can actually speak Spanish, so
2: That's true. He can. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree on all that there. It's a it's like a, they not they, a must watch, but an easy watch. Yeah. It's an easy watch. It's not a bad show. I mean they, they definitely were given lemons and made lemonade. You know, they, they had to figure out something to do with the you know, Mother Nature coming in and stopping the show or at least stopping the broadcast of it. But yeah, it's... South Carolina apparently is cursed. Not only for this show, but anything that supports this show because it even cursed my culinary trip. <laughs> the uh, um, We watched In Your Houses
2: that feel much longer than this. This thing just kind of it moves i wasn't mad at any of it you know what uh what and there's shows had in common there's some excitement
1: what you know what those shows had in common but this one did not wow diesel mm-hmm. good point i love kevin nash but diesel as a character it brought down almost every show
2: was like what if savage was seven matches. feet tall <laughs> <laughs> is this the among the best taker matches I think him and Goldust are really. It's a very good. fun match. Yeah. yeah, I think that us like,
1: on a streak of some good matches. I so. think this
2: is more uh, like Goldust is an exciting opponent for Undertaker because it's fresh, but Undertaker seems to be less invincible. Like Goldust actually pulled off some stuff on him that even moves where like Undertaker will land on his feet when he goes out to the floor. He didn't land on his feet in the match with Goldust, which was, like, a nice thing that you notice because, you know, in wrestling, people have their, like, go-to things, their signature moves. And with, under, like, Undertaker, it's like, we, we all know what they are. We can all name them off. And when they don't happen like you expect, it feels good and it's exciting. And I think that that was him doing that for Goldust. Made this match more interesting than it could have
0: been. Yep. So as the show's going to always going to be remembered as the cursed pay per view because of the thunderstorm, and I'm sure if you tried to watch this in '96, you probably got bad. Ba- yeah. You were very frustrated at the show. Yeah, you got a bad taste in your mouth. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Watching it about 27 years later now, I think the action is quite good. With a couple of standout performances by guys I wasn't expecting to get them from, in actually, Savio Vega. Mm-hmm. It's not the worst Savio and, Vega. No. Savio and Stone Cold, they their feud that they have that match is intense, in my opinion. Yeah,
2: like I said, I don't care about Savio Vega, but that match was, and I don't cl- love that style of match, especially. It feels wrong in the WWF. I mean, it's definitely more of a.
0: JCP style yeah. match. Yeah,
2: it, but the they did a much better job than I expected with it, and uh, I yeah I didn't I did not hate it, and I was not excited about it.
0: <laughs> and the other person, <laughs> the other person will be Wildman Mark Mero. That match is great. I think he does a great job of that match. Yeah, this match c- c- okay. considering the expectations that I have for Vega and Marrow, That's that's the reason why. I feel like they did a good job we all, the expectations for him are so low.
2: We like Mero in WCW, mm-hmm. I mean, we think he had some great matches, and here he has a good opponent, and I think that this is up there with some of the good matches he had in WCW. I know that it's probably downhill from here, but this is a good first match. That makes sense. It's a wrestling match. Like yep. truly it's a wrestling match. So they're working limbs. Like the psychology is good. It's there. Performances are solid. The selling is good. I like that match quite a bit. Got gorillas at ringside.
0: (laughs) Good, where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are some of the best moments of the show?
1: There was... In the Austin Vega match, there's just... I always catch these weird moments, but... Austin whipping... Vega, it like hit him across, I don't know, it was like the ear, face, back of head, and yeah, the way he was just whopping on him. That was, it it was painful to watch, but at the
0: same time, it was like they had been practicing
1: for perfection on it.
0: I mean, literally, I'm going to let you guys know that that's my favorite match of this show because of the intensity of it. Mm -hmm. Like it legitimately felt like they were just going to town. On yeah, the I mean they really did.
2: Strap. They did whip the shit out of each other. Which, if you're gonna have a strap match, you can't. You gotta fucking use it. And what can you do with a strap? You choke somebody with it. You can, um, you can basically pull them to the ground. You can nutshot them, or you can slap the shit out of them with it. Yeah. And uh, all of those things need to be done and need to be done convincingly and not gingerly
0: uh in order to get the match over. Yep. And uh, and they did it. Owen showing off his manager's license and his slamming. That was just it was a funny little character moment because yeah. it works for it works for Owen. The
1: uh honestly that that part where in the match where Shawn Michaels ducks the clothesline, slips, trips, falls out of the ring, splats on the ground. Mm-hmm. I I rewound that part a couple different times just because I kept trying to figure out: Did he trip? What's going on here? But then at the same time, as I'm watching it, it's like I actually kind of like this because it looks, it looks like he fucked up in the ring and bit the dust, paid the price for it. But yeah, it was just that moment of extra realism in it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sometimes um, a botch can add add some realism to it, uh, as long as you don't do the thing you should never do, which is just try the spot again anyway cuz uh, every time that happens it will just tear a match to pieces. Yep, yep. Goldust uh, pile driving Undertaker felt good. him power send- him pulling out power moves on the Undertaker was awesome. I really enjoyed that. Also because it's under- Goldust can move. We've seen Undertaker versus like really large guys versus Kamala versus Yokozuna those aren't particularly, like, interesting. So you get another big Texas boy that will trade some power moves with him. It's immediately more compelling. The King of the Ring commercial. It's funny. I love I love a dumb commercial, and wrestling has
0: plenty of them throughout yeah. the years. Absolutely. How about most disappointing? I mean, I pointed out the obnoxious HBK fact of the night. Which yeah. Like, legitimately, after I read it, I like was waiting for it in the mm-hmm. in the match, and you can legitimately see him just like get pissed off while he's in the yeah headlock just throw a fit and start throwing a fit yeah the uh, like, it's, it's it's worth almost going back and watching it with that knowledge to watch that moment just to
2: look at it and then shake your head you just like, god dang it, bro, <laughs> just like the I think that match is decent, and the finish is. Dumb and the angle is maybe dumber. Yeah, the angle, yes. the angle
0: is so like. I don't think that. I they think read, I they think, think they were I pretty, think they wanted to. They wrote it one way, and Diana and Bulldog probably were like, uh, "That sounds like that's on us." Mm-hmm. I I think they had to rework it, and it ended up just not making any like sense no at all.
2: nobody looks good because like. If, like, Sean's the face, but it looks like he's trying to, like, fuck somebody's wife, and then they're mad about it, so it looks like they're, like, lying about it, and they're still the heels, and then it's like, well, if they're lying about it, then if she's, like, lying about it, then, like, like, yeah, it takes two to tango, so, like, what's the point of the match? It's just, like, but when the guys get in the ring, it's, it's something worth seeing... Yeah, because I would say this is probably one of
0: Bulldog's best performances as well. Yeah, it's really good. It's just like, why I mean, is it even happening? But I mean, it's the thing with Bulldog—you put him in the ring with someone who can work, and he actually steps his game up. So
2: yeah, he can show up for sure. But that angle, I was just like, yeah, I was like, sense. yeah, I was just flabbergasted the whole time to the point where I forgot about it for a little bit while the match was happening, and then we get a funky little, funky little finish.
1: Yeah. Just Diana in general. I don't know why they feel like people want to see her on their TV.
2: I mean, I don't know. I she's, mean, I
1: like yeah, Diana. she was pretty
0: hot in this show. I mean, Diana's a pretty lady, was she? I mean, I it's like probably her, the yeah. hottest she's looked so far. I don't I'm not like, saying I like her. I'm not saying jacket. she's like gorgeous, but I like her fringe jacket style <laughs> from back in the day. But yeah, she's a pretty
2: lady. But I don't know why that she has anything. It's like a, it's a little different than like Stu and Helen Hart it's like it's their kids and you know he is the fucking the dungeon he's Stu Hart like wrestling in Canada and she's just just a family thing but she's not on every show they don't use her the way that they use like a Marlena or whatever it's just kind of like oh what do we need to do it's like well Diana will come out for a month or so and
0: hanging us we'll all get you, the Bulldogs we'll, married. Yeah, and... we'll
2: pay you a little bit more and give her something to
0: do. Maybe she's tired and wants to see her husband. How about best performer of the night? I mean, I already told you it was Savio for me. I mean, I like the fire
2: that Austin brought because you see more and more of it. starting to move like him with his, you know, he kind of walks like an angry toddler when he starts doing the thing where it's like every time, every step... He can just like it feels like he's just pushing his knees into the into the ground. <laughs> and uh, that started to happen. A little bit of the the shoulders. His uh, he's got the stiff shoulders when he moves, whereas like Moxley does the like jello shoulders. Yeah. Where he's just trying to be Stone Cold Steve Austin and not doing a very good job of it. <laughs> but yeah. He's uh, he's he's feeling a little bit starting to feel like the Texas rattlesnake.
0: Honestly, other than Vader and Yokozuna, like, I mean, that's the worst match, and I still think that they both put their working shoes on. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was better than I uh, expected from Yokozuna at what they billed him as is 660 pounds.
0: I mean, there's a good chance he was more than that even. I know. Yeah, (laughs) but I
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, I'll give it to you. Yeah, it's a toss-up for me between Austin and and Vega,
0: is they busted ass. Anything surprising? On this show, um, I mean, we get our we get our first mankind. Yes, I mean, I, I mean, we saw the promo on that Raw, yeah, and we knew it was mankind, but we didn't know. I didn't. It was
2: I well, I had never seen the show before. i would probably seen that moment in packages throughout mm-hmm. my life, but I didn't know that that was going to happen. So, I mean, that was easily my biggest surprise because I didn't wasn't ready for mankind to pop out of that casket. And obviously that's surprising, and that's what they want out of this show. So lucky for me, I'm the dummy that didn't know, and it worked on me all these years later.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, the desired intent uh, still worked on me in the year of 20, seven. 2, whatever year 27 years. 27 like, years. 27 years, yeah. I meant the year we're in now.
1: I didn't realize this show was one that started one day and ended another one until... Getting into it,
0: I read about it like a like a year or so ago when you know started making the schedule for the for us and everything, and I was just all like, "What exactly happened?" Because <laughs> it it made sense, but at the same time, I was just like, "Huh, what?" Like, yeah. So I wasn't like until I started the show and like started watching it, I wasn't quite sure how they were going to present it because like even though I've read about it. How they were going to present it was a surprise to me. So yeah,
2: where it's like, okay, well, the originally the intended last match is the second match, and then yeah,
1: that, and then just the blown off Mister Perfect shoulder bump. Oh yeah, never, never got. I mean, well, it, I mean some, something may, may happen, but I feel it like it's yeah. not going to. It felt I'm like a, it felt I like a very. very yeah. I wasn't.
2: It felt like a very obvious. Thing that they did on camera You know, it didn't feel like just like Some like accidental moment It seemed like they were trying to make a point of it Absolutely So
0: Making their way to the ring It's trivia time Uh oh So this week the category is The Numbers Game The Numbers Game Five points for the correct answer. Three points if we go to multiple choice. The question is, who had the most losses in the shows we watched in 1993 and 1994? Like percentage-wise or total? Total losses.
1: I'm just going to say, eh.
0: All right. Shane, for five points. Sal Balamo. Oh, incorrect that's really funny
2: <laughs> i always forget about ecw whenever we do these questions like 93 94 and then all i can think is wcw and wwf well then if that's the case i'm going for multiple choice multiple I choice say, i'm about to uh, extend the olive <laughs> uh, the olive branch and be like hey do you want to go to multiple i figured
1: choice? last time we heard scores i was like twice yeah. as many oh heavy, yeah it's so crazy
0: i was surprised we'd risk it so your I'm options fast. are Art anderson steve austin marcus alexander bagwell or Kevin Sullivan?
2: Wow, all WCW. Arn was born to lose, unfortunately. I'm going to go... I feel like we didn't see much Bagwell. We definitely haven't in 95 or 6. I'll go Sullivan. Incorrect. All right, what's the correct answer? It was Arn Anderson. Oh, man. That, I think that I just didn't... That was the first thing I said, and then I was like, "Oh, I don't want to guess Art Anderson, even though I just said he was born to
0: lose, uh, <laughs> that because I love him." Bonus question for two points. Okay, okay. How many losses? Price is right rules. Uh huh. How many losses did he have? Shane goes with eleven. Michael goes with seven. Michael with the two points, Ooh. as the correct answer was nine. Nice. Yeah. Bonus question. For one point for each <laughs> correct answer. Oh my God! Name the rest of the top five in losses. Just think of some guys that lose a lot.
2: I assume that the other three, three of them, are the ones you already said. Maybe. <laughs> happens.
0: Do you think? Assume. Do you think I'd make it that
2: easy? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I wasn't expecting so many tamponous questions, mad.
0: Uh You get one of these every eight episodes. I know, I know. No.
2: Bonus question for half a point. <laughs> uh,
0: um.
2: I just crapped some stuff oh, out because my brain
0: was like... I, All right, I let's can... go Shane first. Who All we right. got?
1: Well, I borrowed a couple from your your suggestions that you had put out there before, so I put in Bagwell and Sullivan. But then for some reason, Michael P.S. Hayes jumped into my head. So I put him on there because I couldn't remember if we had any free bird matches in 93 or 94. Earthquake in old IRS.
0: You receive
1: zero, zero. extra points. Damn.
2: Michael? Why well, did Sullivan Bagwell, Austin, Balamo, Whipwreck?
0: You get one bonus point. <laughs> Who you got? Steve Austin was his correct one. The rest of the top five was Fatou, Steve Austin, Cactus Jack, Samu, and Tommy Cairo. Yeah, I would totally forgot about Tommy Cairo.
1: I was trying to remember some ECW guys, and the only one I could think of still was Sal Balamo.
0: Yeah, that's and why I put
1: it on. We'll, like, I, I we'll put think. Sullivan on there, because he wrestled in both.
0: Yeah, and then, it, like, yeah, I was like, Fatu, <laughs> Samu. Like I said, it's one of the tougher of yeah. questions that I and get. And I guys.
1: almost put Tillman on there, and then I backed him off. Like maybe he was injured that year, I can't remember.
0: Next week
1: Fight the Power Fight the Power. Wow. Did that in stereo not even tried. Yeah.
0: yeah, cue <laughs> uh, cue the Rosie Perez. Dance off. Music from this week's show is In Your House by in Jim your Johnston. House. And Gold Dust <laughs> hey. won our main event. What's the name of his theme song? Golden Version Two by Jim Johnston golden mm. version 2 if you like this episode or any of our own please go out there rate and review us on iTunes did your Google Play or wherever you find your podcasts at if you have any questions comments concerns
1: if you know what the fuck people eat in South Carolina that I might be able to find in Oklahoma <laughs> let me know because uh, we might be back there again sometime um, no, you know we'll sooner, sooner or later we've tried those before I like boiled peanuts yeah I've tried them that one time and I don't know if I ever want to try them again A pro (laughs) boiled peanut. I'd rather try a canned hamburger. (laughs) Damn, that sounds pretty bad.
0: (laughs) But you can send any of those things to our email at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Laters.
0: Touche.